search and rocks behind the Alaskan guard. Tricks of the trade. Tricks of the trade is gathering them in. Here comes Tricks of the trade. Tricks of the trade pulls a little bit of magic out of his Tricks of the trade. And he wins the runaway TG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And with a little bit of cheap tricks work, and of course Darren McCall, is your audio courtesy of Sky Racing, it's year-round carnival, thanks for checking us out, tricks of the trade, too good in the railway handicap or railway stakes to be uh, more accurate. G'day Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals. Yes, good morning, Ralphie. Good morning. Well, we, we were hoping, we were just hoping that we'd get good, clean ground at uh, Ascot because there was a fair bit of rain on the Friday. But uh, by looking at your data that's come through, with the tracks and, and watching on the day, the tracks play, ended up playing pretty well. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, definitely on the good side for sure. It was 1.7 lengths above the standard. So, you know, you're 100% in the G3 range. Uh, we're not in the fast range, but we're definitely G3 rock solid. Yeah, and that's all we can ask for. We uh, we've been tracking the uh, the Perth Carnival since the 29th of October, and at that meeting, oh, some nice runners there, and one of them was Tricks of the Trade, one point one lengths above benchmark, ranked eighth of the day. This is what we wrote in Sizzlers about him. Disappointed the market here is beaten favourite after winning this track distance a fortnight earlier, but this was a better run, and says he can improve on his excellent strike rate going forward. Minus four point five the eight hundred before plus 4.5 mid-race men a nine length squeeze compared to minus 2.3 minus 2.3 barely moving in his first up run 7.3 last 400 was still excellent after that exertion to date his best is 1.9 set at ascot 1800 mid-march where the high pressure saw him out his leading was a soft tempo mile win but his last two sections were a brilliant 11.7 very dangerous run of this carnival uh you can listen to our preview podcast now what you actually said about him but what you wrote about him in the race speed uh, profiles was obviously similar uh, information to that but you summed up by saying he boasts a 1.9 above benchmark last campaign over 1800 he looks primed to eclipse that level of performance this campaign. If he finds himself in the striking position at the top of the straight, he should take some serious beating. Uh, hats off, Troy Turner, because that's exactly where he put him. That was an absolute golden ride, but a very good performance too. Yeah, it was a golden ride, wasn't it? It was yeah. absolutely <laughs> The only one you wanted to be on, Vincent. Run for more. 
Yeah, yeah. And look for those people that back comfort me as well, Ralphie. Yeah, I'll get to that. Don't worry yeah, about that. But, but <laughs> tricks of the trade. Firstly, 3.7 lengths above IBR benchmark. First section, plus 1.3. Between the 8 and the 4, plus 3.6. Last 400 overall, 2.6 above. Pretty hard to fault, Ralphie. Super, super strong. Yes, lost a little bit of ground negotiating the turn, as most runners did in that race, anywhere between sort of length and length and a half for the field. But kick back with a plus 2.9 above last 200. And then, of course, we look at the lanes in terms of where he positioned. He, lane 12, unbelievable, absolutely sensational. That's the, that's the place you want to be. 10, 11, 12, you're going to be in the gold. You touched on something there that we might uh, pull apart a bit more because when you're watching it in the run, Troy Turner had a decision to make. Do I peel out now or am I risking, you know, maybe just getting caught in a little bit of traffic? And, in fact, that actually shows up in the data that from the 400 to 200, he did actually have a little bit of a slowdown. So that's the decision-making process that a jockey has to make going 60 k's an hour. And that's what, exactly right, Ralphie. That's the decision you've got to make, and it was a good one. Yeah. It's worth it because when you're in a big field like this with good speed, I mean, the lead speed was almost four lengths above. Positioning-wise, where the horse was was fantastic. And it was, and if you can get out there, and in these big fields you can, you might as well take advantage of it because you've got at least a one-length advantage versus the horses that are sort of, uh, if you like, lane two, three, four, five. Um I always try and find a theme for our preview podcast where we're doing a big race. And the theme that I sort of found to put to you going in was that Tricks of the Trade and uh, and the other horse that, that, uh, that was right in the market there, Alaskan God, they'd come from slow tempo races. But as as we outlined uh, just a just couple of minutes ago, booming closes on the two of them, whereas the horses that had come off fast races were Comfort Me and Resort Man. And and that's always the challenge. But what, what it showed, though, is Tricks of the Trade showed he could rise and ultimately whatever happened on the day, Alaskan God couldn't. That's right, Ralphie. And I mean, this horse has gone to a brand new PB as well, like plus 3.7. That's, I would say partially the ride was like near perfect other other than that little bit of negotiation, which most horses copped in that turn. But you look at the mid-race squeeze, it was only 2.3. So you're not overextending. You're optimizing your energy efficiency through the first half of the race. That's really important because if you're overextending and you're getting a little bit too far back, it's challenging. Yeah. So comforts me, you you, uh, you gave it the best uh, <laughs> push I've ever heard for what it ended up being. I think about 30 to 1 was available. It was officially $26. Uh, he, he's um, he's hung on for second and a, and a pretty good run too. And what we did underline was that this is a case, you're always going to just take each year on, a, on uh, a year-by-year basis. So he was smashed last year by four lengths by Western Empire, but Western Empire would have been dominant in this race as well. Well, we just would have won again. <laughs> That's right. So we, he's 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 hung on, and he and that was the advantage of him coming from a fast race. Whereas Carly's uh, the other horse that was in the market there in Carly's Karma, it had come from a fast race, but it just was a mile distance out. Correct, and and that's that's what's happened, Ralphie. You couldn't have summed it up any better. This, this was a good race in the end, Ralphie. Very very strong. Yep. For. Oh, I'd like to say for the first four or five runners, but definitely the, the top three were just outstanding. Just want to ask about Resort Man, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> particularly we've got some messages we'll get to about the Maltese. Um, he's just missed uh, third. Well, I suppose, yeah, he's just missed 0.3 of length. Was it a case, 
and this is the way I'm asking you how you read the track, that because Brad couldn't do much about barrier one, he stuck there. The old classic uh, inside barrier sometimes isn't an advantage. Clearly, the lane seemed to be better, better wider. Well, he was definitely disadvantaged by the lane, but I just felt that he... I've got to be careful the way I position this, but there was, I felt there was a little bit of procrastination yep. with his ride when I looked at it very carefully. Then he was he had no choice. Once he got to the turn, he was pretty much stuck there. But there was opportunities where perhaps he, he could have got away from that earlier in the race. I mean, because the speed he was travelling at was pretty solid and there was an opportunity. But once he was stuck there and there was that little bit of procrastination, he was forced to stay in that lane. And I felt the other... Again, you know, I don't ride him. Yeah, slight overextension at the uh, as he turned for home. He 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 said, "Okay, I've got the split. Go for it." I felt that he like it's easy to say, of course, by just watching. He's probably gone a little bit too early as well. Yep, it's all part of the process. Maybe he thought he was going to lose that run on the inside in the end. Yep, and you see the horse. He, he's he he's peaked probably 50, 80 metres from the line, and that was his run. Now, in terms of everything else, in terms of the speed and how he travelled the horse through the first two-thirds of the race, it was very close to being near-perfect efficiency because his mid-race squeeze was only 1.5, Ralphie, and the winner was 2.3, so it was very close to optimum. The other feature event was the WA Guineas when, uh, when of course, uh, Amelia's Jewel won and, and uh, it, was, it was nice and strong. Uh, we were generally only doing the Sunday meetings uh, for, for uh, Sizzlers, but I just had to write something up about her on that uh, Melbourne Cup Day program. So, right, disappointed the market at Deep Odds on coming off 1.5 first up winner, but here she's shown she can relax early, drag back in the field from wide, ran at a very strong 1,400, which strongly suggests WA Guineas over Milo is ideal next start. Minus 0.6800 went 5.7 lengths off the flying leaders before 4.5 mid-race, meaning an excellent five-length move. Last 400 was plus 3.4, but note the severe 2.3-length slowdown around the turn. Now, she was much as $3 after that uh, run, but then punters got smarter and smarter. By Sunday morning, Vince, you uh, you, you had the mouth guard in. There was only one horse you thought would be winning this. Yeah, I was grateful to get the price. That was the big thing. The, the reality was fantastic performance. Second best of the day, plus 2.7. That's a new PB. And then when I look at the breakdown in the run, oh, wow. 7.9 lengths below benchmark first section. Now, the lead speed was four lengths below. So even though it's out the back, but they're compressed. They're all within three lengths of one another. But the move between the eight and the four was heavy for all the horses. I mean, the biggest extension was like mid from a squeeze point of view, it was like 14 lengths. And Amelia's Jewel had a mid-race squeeze of 11.8, going from minus 7.9 to plus 3.9. And then the last 400 metres, 6.9 above. How big was that, Ralphie? That was absolutely huge. Again, ride-wise, where were you? Lane 10. Fantastic to position. And really, the horse was never in doubt, Ralphie. I know Bustler... Tried to go with it, but you could see there was a difference in class between the two horses. Well, I mean, look at that. Even on the daily rankings, the fourth best last 400 and 200 of the day at the end of a mile. It doesn't matter if you've gone slow. If you can uh, unleash that, that's that's real uh, turn of foot acceleration. Yeah, and I don't believe the horses, uh, well, it's easy to say maybe it, it has peaked, but well, where I'm coming from is, you know, I've still marked it internally as uh, 
we haven't got a ceiling. Well, there's a couple of questions on that. What we'll do, we're going to do this as a little group one bonus podcast, so it'll only be five minutes or maybe even less, but I just want to, we'll get your thoughts about it. About the two horses that we've outlined, because they're both going to the northerly next start over 1,800 metres, just on what your thoughts are there, because Mark's asked us, by the way, our members get uh, sent an email every Sunday. They can ask Vince a question, be part of the show because they are part of what we do. We don't have any corporate bookmaker support. We're supported by our fantastic loyal members uh, each uh, week. Members both listed in Group 1 get best of the day sent to them from Melbourne and Sydney. And, uh, and of course, as, as I said, often we do a little Group 1 bonus podcast. In this case, Mark has asked, thanks as always for the great work. I had a piece of the $70 Quinella that comfort me and Tricks of the Trade ran in and jagged the multi of Snipperucci, Amelia's Jewel, Tricks of the Trade, which paid $21. Happy customer there, Vince. Oh, so yeah. mentioned after Guineas on Saturday, Amelia's Jewel will be aimed at a campaign on the East Coast. How is this run compared to what the likes of Private Eye and In Secret have done this campaign? Do you see a matching it with the top-tier sprinters on the East Coast? So I think uh, I think the reality is she, she won't be running against the sprinters if uh, she's going to 1800 next start. But uh, what you've outlined, Vince, is she, she's a quality uh, mayor or, or, or filly uh, who pretty much match it anywhere in the country at the moment. Oh, for sure. Off the two point seven, you're only you're only a couple of lengths off. You know the the very top bracket of horses, and we're talking about three year old filly who's still on the rise. No, good stuff. Uh, and Brody asks, "G'day, uh, lads, to the eye." Amelia's Jules seem to be powering away from the field. Can to see what Vince thinks about it stepping down eight hundred next start. So, like I said, we'll make that in the uh, in the preview podcast. Uh, sorry, in the in the Group One bonus podcast that uh, our members will be receiving post show. Um, Tell us about uh, Snipperucci. It, uh, it, it looked one of those cases that uh, she was just going to be too fast over 1,200 metres there uh, against Baby Paris, who just didn't quite have that same foundation at 1,200. Well, again, what a, what a top run. Mm. Speed-wise, through the first section, 4.1 lengths below benchmark. The, meet, the move in the mid-race was beautiful. Went from minus 4.1 to plus 3.7, so the squeeze overall was 7.7 lengths. So that's, that's a pretty solid kick down. Last 400 metres, there it is, 2.4 above, very, very strong for the day as well. Like I look at the overall last thousand, just sort of indicating about, you know, how this horse can extend itself distance-wise. I like to look at that second best of the day. Very, very solid. Very hard run to fault, 1.8 above inside the top 10 for the day, Ralphie. This is a good sign for a horse that's also, you know, hasn't really had that much racing. And the Carbine Club, which we'll round off with uh, in race six in the program there. Um, Mint's moment. Got off the plane, on, I think, on the Monday, uh, Darren McCauley uh, said, uh, calling it, and, uh, and and was dominant. Clint Johnson-Porter, he's obviously knows where to find the lanes. There are a couple, unfortunately, uh, for us uh, in uh, in comes a time, he just didn't turn up. But Devoted, you, you were a bit wary about <laughs> what he was going to be doing, whether he'd come up this campaign. But Mint's moment really just went on with what, uh, what he'd been doing on this side of the country. Well, jeez, oh, 1.2 above, managed to be, you know, 10th best of the day, eclipsed its previous PB at 0.7 above. So from a performance point of view for the stable, to be able to get this horse going in New South Wales, then to Victoria, and then across to Western Australia, and actually produce a new PB, that's, that's a fair effort, Ralphie. And even ride-wise, I don't feel that the rider could have done much more. I mean, it was so efficient in terms of its overall performance. <sighs> oh, I wish I would have found it. <laughs> well, one thing that I think now is pretty clear, and who knows, maybe that's one of the reasons uh, it, it was it was viable over at uh, over at Perth from uh, from Sydney. I haven't read anything, but 
he's a horse who needs clean ground. Yeah, and and this is this has come up in the end as well as being a a positive for the horse when he's on that. I'll have a look at that. I'm just looking here. Minus one when it was on a heavy at Rose Hill. Of course, we know how wet the tracks were in Sydney. That's WTI-wise. Then I can go back even further. There was another performance on a slow track. That was 2.4. So, yeah, some of them, a wet track point of view, this horse is – the data's indicating the horse is probably three, four length better horse on dry ground. Right. Um, okay, we'll round that, that off there. But if you want to get our preview podcast, the Winterbottom uh, Day this Friday. So what we'll do, we'll do the Winterbottom in depth. It's going to be a fantastic this – is, this is your wheelhouse, Vince. Perth form versus Eastern States form. Oh, it's good. I wonder who's going to be there. Oh, there's a, the likes of uh, Valana and uh, and um, Rothfire going across. So there's going to be some nice in Eastern Rothfire's States. Rothfire's going across, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, and we've got some. We've been running some hot times in Perth as well, which we can be covering in Sizzler. So that'll be interesting lining them up. And I've got a feeling I know which way he'll go, but we'll keep you out and try mm. there. But uh, it could be some terrific value. So if you want our, our preview podcast, we'll do on Friday uh, the winner bottom and the other. There's two other stakes. Right? The Lestere and the and the scale. We'll do those three on the Friday in a bit of depth. And then on Saturday morning, we'll cover all races and it'll be an accompaniment to Vince's final edition of Race Speed Profiles. And as uh, as you heard there, we've got a couple of uh, very happy customers who got in, got in touch there and, and uh, we're, we're picking away at the multis and, and good results there too. So if you want to get our preview podcast via racetrackrealfie.com.au, uh, if you're an existing Daily Sectionals customer and you already get the final edition, uh, you can get the podcast only as a uh, as a product there. Vince, I just want to ask you quickly about Ballarat Cup Day. Um, well, uh, no, no, uh, no advantage for him. Obviously, rain hitting on the day, but by the look of uh, of your data here, Vince, the, the track pretty much started very slow. Yeah, that that surprised me. Yeah, like really, I I, I didn't expect it to be that that way. Tr- truly, well, officially, I, I, sorry to butt in. Officially, the track good race one. How good was it, race one? Oh, not possible. I mean, <laughs> my, minus sixteen point three. Where's that coming from? <laughs> So we had a mess there, didn't we? Those are the track. <laughs> well, look at that. Minus 16.3, then minus 22. I'll, I'll go, must be in Sydney. <laughs> race four, minus 31. That's 1,100 metre race, Ralphie. Then minus 27, minus 27, 28 and a half. Yeah. So the theme's pretty clear. Like, and I just go to race nine. That's 1,200 metre race, minus 30, and then finish off the day in the last. Sure, it wasn't a big field, but they couldn't go any slower. That was dead set hurdle speed there, Ralphie. But overall, that's uh, – did they end up saying heavy 10 or not? Uh, let me – yeah, uh, for the last four races. So yeah. so basically, if people listen to this, just just consider the track was very wet early. Yeah, well, we probably started off realistically on an S8. Yep. And we finished – well, we didn't finish. By the time we got to races three and four, we were already heavy 10. Uh, just the ban- the uh, banker's choice was dominant in the in the Ballarat Cup. Johnny Allen winning another one there. Um, probably a case, and the market identified this fours in the threes. It was it was a wet tracker set to peak, and a tissue not a wet tracker, and it peaked its previous run. Yeah, and and look, this is a reflection. Best performance of the day, half length above. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, that, on that level, if it was transferred to a city track, none of them win. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to know what the betting turnover was for the day. Well, how could you bet on that with any confidence? No, 
No, so unfortunately, they're they're unlucky from that point of view yep. to to cop that sort of weather. But you know, I just look at the overall performance on the day. Jeez, it was just like don't like to say, but midweek at best. Well, race nine. The uh, we're, I'm only asking this because we've got a members question here, which is uh, which is from Troy. Uh, keen to hear more about Menemouth. I thought it went into the race stupid overs. Uh, as Kosciuszko's form was far better than the other runners' form, I didn't mind. It was a good fill-up. How did Vince assess his chances before the race and did it do anything to warrant going forward? So I'll cut the corner there, Vince. I know you only put out early edition race speed profiles, which is just yep. the basic information there uh, for that very reason. But uh, really, um, the the result seems to me like those bog-heavy Sydney tracks. It was a mess. Something had to win, and it did. Well, I have a – you know when – oh, so the, the winner was going 9.8 lengths below benchmark first section. The lead right. speed was 7.8 below. And then they've slowed, right? <laughs> now, okay, you would say, all right, there might be some sort of a kick down, but this is how much faster they went over the last 400. So they've gone from 9.8 below, this is the winner, between the 8 and the 400, it's gone 11.1. So in other words, a slowdown of 1.3 lengths. And then the last 400 was 9.2 lengths below benchmark. That's showing you how what the condition of the ground's like, right? To only improve two lengths after a pr- pretty gentle speed through the first two sections. You can have a look at the energy distribution, Ralphie. That first section, the energy distribution was only 31.5%. Now, at 31.5%, you should have enormous kick down. But if the ground's not there, you're not going to be making too much uh, change. That was like the Wellington Boots job. <laughs> so I can't take anything you know, out of that race for the horse to say, okay, what does that mean? Okay, from a performance point of view, five lengths below benchmark overall, it's, it's virtually matched the Randwick run. So that's that's the only thing I can take out of it at this stage. Yep, and obviously the other theme for the day was to uh, you know you you had to be able to figure horses that uh, were in the inside part of the track and uh, absolutely. Well, we some bizarre odds thinking that uh, let, let let's try it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> From Darren, um, what else? He, he's asked us about it. He's out at a winner, by the way, at, at uh, out wide at uh, one of the country meetings. So I'll I'll forward him the information. He's a great supporter of ours, Vince, who great. always gets our, our preview podcast here. But uh, um, another random question. It's an interesting, broader one here that we'll finish up off here. Do racetracks play faster at others certain distances due to the circumference of the track? E.g., a track with a four hundred metres straight compared to 250 metres straight at the same distance. Is it easier to run faster times? I know it's conditioned and talent-based, but I've been comparing times from track to track. A good four at Cranbourne might not be the same as a good four at Caulfield. Not sure if any of this makes sense. The answer could just be no. Vince, I dare say that is actually the essence of the reason why you benchmark each track individually. Correct. Absolutely. You must. It's the only way to do it. Yep. So you get 400, 200 at Cranbourne or Moody Valley or Bensdale, <laughs> all equals what it means on that track and in that distance. That That's what it does. And they've all, got, they've all got lane biases, all of them. Yep. All right. Well, I wind it up there. Hope uh, hope we helped you with the Perth. We've got some uh, really good racing coming up there. And uh, in the meantime, thanks for tuning in to our year-round carnival 